I've been doing a series. I started a series last week. I talked about, which is unusual. Most people don't, on Easter Sunday, preach about hell. Uh, so, uh, so, you know, I tend to be unorthodox. Uh, but my sermon last week was, Jesus went to hell so you don't have to. And so, I'm, you know, in case you missed that, there's a couple of verses I want to read uh, first. Matthew 25, 41. Then this is Jesus talking about hell. Jesus talked about hell more than anybody else. People will tell you that, you know, well, Jesus never said anything about hell. He did. And he talked about hell more than anybody else. And he said it in very, very strong terms. Then he will say to those, those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So one of the things we recognize about the eternal fire, it was, it's intended for the devil and his angels. God doesn't want people going to hell. He, that's why he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus so that nobody would have to go to hell except the devil and his angels. Uh, Matthew 25, 46, it says, these will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So when you die, this is the reality. When you die, either you either go to heaven or hell. There's not other options. You don't, there's no other options, but this is the good news. And you know, this verse for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. How did he give him? Well, he gave him that he came and lived and died. He died our death on the cross. But the Bible says that through his death, he tasted death for every man and that he bore our sins in his body on the cross. He bore everybody's sins in his body on the cross. That means the price has been paid, totally paid for every sin that has been sinned from the garden to the second coming, every sin has been covered. The, so even if you're an unbeliever and you don't know Christ, your sins have been covered. So Jesus died to cover your sins, but to access the, that forgiveness, for God so loved the world that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him. So by believing, the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. So we have to believe in it. What does it mean to believe in it? Well, it, it doesn't mean to just give mental assent to it. You know, because a lot of people will say, I believe in Jesus. And you can clearly see by the way they live, they don't. So what does it mean? Well, think about this stool. I believe in this stool. Because I'm putting my weight on it, my substantial weight on this chair. And so <laughs> we, we had some chairs. I've told this story a lot of times, but when we were in transition, we were meeting in the Sunnyvale High School. We, we had to haul chairs in and out every week. Sunnyvale uh, Elementary School. Thank you, Lori Ferris. The corrector. Mother corrector got me. Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> mother teacher. It's okay. I need it. I accept it. And so we had, to, we had to take chairs in and out every week. And so because we were, didn't, you know, we were trying to be easy, we bought lawn chairs, plastic lawn chairs. And now there's two kinds of plastic lawn chairs you can get. You can get a little plastic lawn chair. On the bottom of that chair, it's got a little rubber button. And that little rubber button is very critical because it keeps it from sliding around on a slick floor. But if you, the ones we got didn't have those. We didn't realize that till you put someone 
on a, tile, a wax tile floor in a plastic chair that weighed about 250 pounds, and you'd begin to see the legs of that chair begin to splay out. And so during that time, we'd have to say to the ushers, go sit behind that person and be ready to catch them, you know. But during that time, because of my weight and because of the chairs, I never actually sat on the chairs. I sat on the edge of the chairs and leaned forward like I was any moment it's going to collapse. Now, that's not putting your faith in the chair, is it? And that's how some people live with Jesus. They're just, they're ready to spring forth anytime. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can trust him. But to, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ is to put your, the weight of your life in trusting him to save you. So God's provided the way of escape from hell and entrance into, he, into heaven through his son. So today I want to talk to you about, uh, we're going to talk about heaven for the next couple of weeks. And... Uh, Looks like the smoke machine's still going. Uh, it has a mind of its own sometimes. It doesn't know what it's doing. So God has provided a way to escape. I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. So today I want to talk to you about heaven, but I want to talk to you today about present heaven, the present heaven. That may seem like an unusual terminology. You may be wondering why I call it present heaven, because heaven exists where God is. God created heaven. God doesn't need heaven just like he doesn't need us. Heaven is something that God has created for himself. But where God is, heaven is. So right now in the present heaven, it is God's throne. It's God's created place. He created it before the foundation of the world. He, this created place, it's got to be awesome, you know, because he's the creator. It's his throne. It's an incredible place. But there's coming another heaven. Right now, there's a present heaven. And between now and the resurrection of the dead, this heaven will exist until we will be in what then will be the eternal heaven. And what you may not know about the eternal heaven, which really, as I was... as a, this made me want to talk about this because I didn't realize this either. I've, I've talked about heaven my whole life. I've preached about heaven. I believe in heaven. But I didn't realize that there's going to be another heaven, an eternal heaven. And that heaven is not going to be someplace else. That heaven, the eternal heaven, is going to be on earth. So the present heaven will give away to the eternal heaven on earth after the final judgment. We're going to talk about that next week, but here's the verse about it. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. So God is bringing heaven to earth, and he's going to dwell among the, us, his people, on earth, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Wayne Gruden, theologian, says this, 
Christians often talk about living with God in heaven forever, but in fact, the biblical teaching is much richer than that. It tells us that there will be a new heaven and a new earth, an entirely renewed creation, and we will live with God there. There will also be a new kind of unification of heaven and earth. There, we will, there will be a joining of heaven and earth in this new creation. So that's the eternal heaven, and that's what I'm going to talk about next week. But today I'm going to talk about what happens now when you die. When you die as a believer now, you enter into present heaven. And this present heaven is a transitional period. It's not a permanent time. It's a time between now and the resurrection of the dead. That period of time between now of the resurrection of the dead and the new heaven and the new earth. So this transitional period for all believers when we die, it may be thousands of years, but it's still temporary because it's not eternal. Philippians 1.21 says this, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Paul says, he's talking about life and death, and he's thinking about life and death, and he's thinking, you know, I love being here. How many of you like being here? Some of you aren't sure. Okay. I like being alive. I appreciate it. You know, I appreciate being alive. I, I love my life. I love this life. Paul says that. He says, I love this. I love this. I love being able to here to teach you. I'm my, it's my job. It's my ministry. God called me to it. I love it. He said, but to depart is better. For me to live as Christ, to die is gain. For if I'm going to go and live in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. What Paul is saying about the present heaven, he said going to heaven is better by far than anything we would ever, hey, there's a lot of cool stuff on earth. There's a lot of things that I'd like to experience on earth. I've never been to Yellowstone. You ever been to Yellowstone? Anybody here been to Yellowstone? I've, I've seen the Grand Canyon. I've seen some really cool stuff. I've seen the Eiffel Tower. I've seen some really cool stuff, but, but there's some incredible places here, but it's not going to it can't hold a candle to the presence of God. It's going to be glorious. Nothing on earth can compare to present heaven. Paul says, because he had seen it. He said, it's better by far. He said, so I'm torn. I need to stay. I got work to do, but I'm okay with going. So what's it like in present heaven? Revelation chapter 6, verse 9. We get a, just a, in these few verses, three verses, we get a little picture. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? There was given to each of them a white robe, and they were told that they should rest a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been killed, would be completed also. So we see that one of the, one of the things that, that is 
important for the end times is that there's a certain number of people that are going to be saved. God is waiting for those people to be saved. And there's a certain number of people that are going to die for their faith. God knows that number. So Randy Alcorn in his book uh, entitled Heaven, which really helped me. I've enjoyed this. I would encourage you if you're a reader and you like to read, read Randy Alcorn's book on heaven. He in this gives 21 observations uh, about just these three verses. So first of all, when these people died on earth, they were relocated to heaven. So they, so, so that's one of the great promises we have as a believer. When we, when we die on this earth, we're, we're, we're immediately in the presence of the Lord. We don't go to purgatory. We don't go to a holding place. We don't go to soul sleep. We're not, we're not dead in the, you know, our body's in the grave, but our soul is in heaven. Amen. So we immediately were the Lord. These people in heaven were the same ones killed for Christ while on earth. This demonstrates that there's direct continuity between our identity on, in earth and our identity in heaven. They're not different people. They're the same people. So, so we have identity, our identity in heaven. You have an identity now, you're going to have an identity in heaven. But it's going to be, it's going to be made new. Hebrews 12, 23 says, to the general assembly in the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. You've been, are you enrolled in heaven? And to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. So it's the, the we're, we're the righteous in heaven made perfect, but we're, we're going to be recognizable. You're going to be you in heaven, which is a little scary, right? but made perfect. You You made perfect. Think about that. People in heaven will be remembered for their lives on earth. These were known and identified as ones slain. It It says, because of the testimony they had maintained. These had died for their faith. They had maintained the testimony. So they're known in heaven because they had given their lives for the faith. I think in heaven, we, you will be aware of your spiritual family tree. Think about that. So I was thinking about, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago about how Jay and Mary Newsom went to Kenya to do ministry in Kenya. And in flying, because of COVID, because of all the restrictions, they were flying on KLM and the plane was almost empty. So one of the stewardesses, or the, what do you call them now? Is that right? Flight attendants. Sorry, I didn't mean to be uh, misogynist. One of the flight attendants uh, asked, you know, nobody's traveling. Why are y'all traveling? And so Jay just said, we're traveling because we're going to Kenya uh, to, to talk to people about Jesus Christ, to tell them that Jesus. So he just tells this person about Jesus and the flight attendant right there on the flight knelt down beside him, tears flowing down her face, prayed with Jay to receive Christ as her Savior and Lord. And I just love that story. He's, so she got, and a few minutes later, another flight attendant comes and kneels down beside him and says, what did you tell her? Tell me. Tell me what you told her. And he prayed with her. He told her about Christ. 
and led her to Christ. Now, I'm telling you that, again, because you support Jay and Mary Newsom. And on that trip, they needed extra money. They were short on money. So we gave them more money than we normally give them so that they would have money for that trip. So, which is, you know, no, which is what's, what I love about that is I think in heaven, you'll be walking down the streets of heaven one day. And that flight attendant will say, I know you. And you say, I don't know you. I've never met you. He said, I know you because you gave money that caused me to have an opportunity to be saved. I mean, just, I mean, just, can you imagine just walking down the street and you see Paul? And yet you say, Paul, wow, man, your scriptures, the things you wrote confused me sometimes. But man, it helped me too. I'm here because, man, this whole salvation by grace thing. Man, when I got a hold of that, it was like, can you just, and just, just to walk through it. And people, I mean, you know, people that you don't know. I mean, little, little people, little unknown people that were praying, you know, the unknown people that were praying for us that we didn't even realize they were praying for us. And in heaven, you think I'm here because that little 80 year old woman that bothered me at church yet, but yet she was praying for me and she prayed me into heaven. I just think, I think we'll understand in some way that's one of the, don't you think it'll make heaven cool to think about how all of that unfolding, all those relationships unfolding. Uh, I think uh, I think all the things that, that influenced your faith, you'll be able to understand that. You'll know as you're known. You'll understand that. Number four says, they call that means they're able to express themselves audibly, which it means suggest that their souls, that word is translated in other places, people, uh, they don't have their resurrected body yet, but it does tend to indicate some kind of, of uh, physical form because they're recognizable. People in present heaven can raise their voices. Uh, this indicates that they're rational, communicative, and emotional, even passionate beings like people on earth. They called out in a loud voice, not voices. Individuals speaking with one voice indicate that in heaven is a place of unity and shared perspective. So they're all on the same page. The Mars are fully conscious. They're rational and aware of each other. God in the situation on earth, which is interesting. They're aware of what's happening on earth. They ask God to intervene on earth and act on their behalf. How long until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? So they're aware of what's happening, which is maybe scary to you. I mean, I, you know, when we, we talk about this, you know, at the funerals, you know, well, grandma's watching from heaven right now. Do I get to turn that off? Is there like a switch? Grandma don't look now. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I don't think it's in that sense. Yes, people from heaven can see. I don't think they're seeing individual. I think God sees, but I don't think that they're watching individual actions, but they're seeing in a sense. They have a sense of, of what's happening on earth. Uh, <laughs> heaven dwellers, uh, number nine, those in heaven are free to ask questions, which means they're free to ask God questions. Anybody got any questions you want to ask God? And you may, you know, once you get there, you might say, ah, it's never mind. Uh, I was going to kind of question how you did that, but never mind. Uh, which means they have an audience with God. It also means they need to learn. 
words, they're continuing to learn in heaven. In heaven, people desire understanding, and they're saying, God, what about this? And God explains it to them. Wouldn't that be great? Say, God, what about this? I don't understand about this. And he'll explain it to you. Uh, people in present heaven know what's happening on earth. The martyrs know enough to know what the ones who kill them have not been judged yet. So they understand what's going on. Heaven dwellers have a deep concern for justice and retribution. Neither God nor we will be satisfied until his enemies are judged, our bodies are raised, sin and Satan are defeated, earth restored, and Christ exalted over all. See, God's not done until, he, until every bit of it is his. Because <laughs> he owns it all. Until everything is redeemed, everything is changed, everything is bought back, everything is made new. Their martyrs rem- clearly remember their life on earth, and they understand how they died. They know that they were murdered. The martyrs in heaven pray for judgment on the persecutors who are still at work hurting others. They are acting in solidarity with and, in effect, interceding for the suffering saints on earth. So they're saying, you know, judge these people that are persecuted. This suggests that saints in heaven are both seen and praying for saints on earth. Now, and I want to clarify something. You need to get this. By saints, we don't mean people venerated by the Catholic Church. But all believers in Christ are called saints. Everyone is a saint in Christ. What makes you a saint is not your good deeds. It's good to have good deeds. We don't want to diminish good deeds, but that doesn't make you a saint. What makes you a saint is that Jesus Christ has clothed you with his righteousness. So now you can participate in the work of God. You're a saint. We're co-laborers with God. We are the house of God. We're the people of God. We're the priest of God. We're the building of God. So we participate in what God is doing. We're praying. So so it indicates that those saints are participating, praying with. And another thing about prayer, just throw this out. This is not one of these points. But another thing about prayer is that, did anybody have a grandma pray for you? Or a great grand, did anybody pray for you before today or before now? And they're dead. Their prayers aren't. They're, because where did the prayers go when they prayed them? They went to heaven. Now, the Bible talks about there are vials. And that when worship happens, there are vials of the prayers of the saints. And when worship happens around the throne, those vials are poured out. Those prayers get hurt again. So I believe I'm a product today because I had a praying grandparents. I certainly had a praying father. It was so hard to, to go out and do something and then to come in at night and go through the front door. And my dad is at the couch in the living room praying. That's why I'm here today. And though he's gone, Those prayers are not gone. My grandfather's prayers aren't gone. Your grandmother's prayers aren't gone. People who loved you's prayers aren't gone. They're eternal. Those in heaven see God's attributes. They see God is holy and true. It's, they're seeing who God is, which is amazing. I'll talk about that a little more in a minute. 
those in heaven are distinct individuals, then each of them was given a white robe. So although they're in unity, they're in agreement together. There isn't one merged identity that obliterates uniqueness, but distinct each one of them. Just like the Bible says that a man and woman become one flesh. Do they become the same? You get married. Some of you aren't sure what I'm asking here. Okay. Man and a woman become one flesh in marriage. Does that make them one person? Are they still two distinct, weird individuals? Vastly different. Okay. The martyrs wearing white robes suggest the possibility of actual physical forms because of disembodied spirits presumably don't wear robes. John could see them. This is important because we've not received, they've not received their resurrected bodies yet. Okay, so this is a transitional period between their death on earth and the resurrection, the final resurrection when everyone is resurrected together. All happens at one time. Everyone is resurrected together. New heaven and new earth. All at the same time. So they don't have their new bodies yet. So, uh, so possibly, and I don't know. But this is what he says, and I agree with it. Possibly in present heaven, we receive a temporary body of some kind, or the robe is a, in a sense, they're putting on the robe of righteousness that clothes them. First Thessalonians 4.13, we don't want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. We grieve when people die, but we have a hope beyond death. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. He's saying there's coming a time. There's going to be a shout. Jesus is coming back and he's going to raise all the dead and take everybody home. We're going to get our new bodies. Number 17, God answers these, their questions indicating communication and process in heaven. It also demonstrates that we won't know everything in heaven. If we did, we wouldn't have any questions. The martyrs knew more after God answered their question than before they asked it. There's learning in the present heaven. So we're going to learn. We're all going to be learning. And I, we're going to be learning more about God, you know, understanding the glory and nature of God. The martyrs, the martyrs ask, how long? And this is something, because I always think about heaven as being in eternity. So I, I struggle with this because it talks about time in heaven. So how does this time work in eternity, time in eternity, eternal heaven? Etern- but it's, there seems to be, there has to be an accommodation for us because we were created in space and time. Right? And if, when you say, let's go have dinner, you're expecting a time and a place. It's easy to come up with the time. It's not easy to come up with the place. Right? But we're, we're created. In other words, God, how did, we're created in, in time. But God's eternal. So God somehow is able to blend the two in eternity 
where we exist in eternity, but we, we understand also the passing of time. Because it, it talks about, there's not a moon, there's not a moon in heaven, there's no, there's no sun in heaven, there's no marking of days in the, in the eternal heaven, but there is the passing of time. It talks about the seasons and the times. So the answer to the real answer to that is, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but, but the martyrs are aware of time passing. They're, so they say, Lord, how long? And are eager for the coming day of the Lord's judgment. So there's passing time. In the present heaven, there is time passing. The people of God in heaven have a strong familiar connection with those on earth who are called fellow servants and brothers. In other words, they're concerned. We are one family with those who've gone to heaven ahead of us. We're one spiritual family to those who have gone to heaven ahead of us. And after we go to heaven, we will be one family with those yet on earth. We're just one family. We have one family under heaven and earth that derives its name. We have one heavenly father. Number 21, our sovereign God knows down to the last detail all that is happening and will happen on earth, including every drop of blood shed and every bit of suffering undergone by his children. He knows exactly how many martyrs there will be, and he is prepared to return and set up his kingdom when the final martyr dies. Now that's just out of three Bible verses. He had seven po- 21 points, so that's amazing. So what will the present heaven be like? 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, However it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things has, God has prepared for those who love him. So he's saying heaven is going to be beyond our ability to right now really fully think about it. But it says, the next verse says, but, you, know, you say, well, well, we'll never know. We'll never understand. But the next verse says, says, but they are revealed to us by the Spirit of God. So God does give us some insight into, into what we're going to experience in heaven. Revelation chapter 4 is present heaven. Revelation chapter 4 gives us a picture of present heaven. And this is a scene. This is a throne scene. And it's very similar to some Old Testament throne scenes. Okay. Revelation chapter 4, verse 5. Out from the throne comes flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. So this is around the throne of God. This is, in a sense, what's happening around the throne of God. There's flashes of lightning and with what comes with the lightning, thunder. And, you know, so it's going to be noisy. And there's a light show, a God light show. I mean, there's no light show that, like the ones that God can put on, right? right. Now, at some point, at this, when I think about this, at this point, some of you who have the gift of making sure everyone knows what your opinion is, <laughs> and some of you have that gift, might be, at, might be tempted because I have it too. Uh, might be tempted to ask a nearby angel if all the lightning and smoke are necessary. It seems a little showy. <laughs> and you might be reminded, there's another place that's filled with silence and darkness if you would like that better. 
So, I mean, you think about it. This is going to be, this is going to be loud. This, I mean, it's, it's going to be amazing. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the center, around the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. This is extraordinary, unbelievable. The first creature was like a lion. The second creature was like a calf. The third creature had a face like that of a man. The fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night, they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, O Lord, and our God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and because of you they because of your will, they existed and were created. That is an incredibly powerful verse. That's a picture of heaven. So I love this, and I've said this a lot of times, but I want you to stay with me on this because I think it's so powerful. So the angels around the throne, day and night, do not cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Now, if you and I are doing this, about 45 minutes, you're bored. Four or five years ago, I had transient global amnesia. Okay? They're driving me to the hospital. Now, if you don't know what transient global amnesia is, think of a goldfish. I was aware of, my mo- of where I was in the moment, but I didn't remember anything that had happened. I, w- I was totally aware. I knew everybody. I w- it wasn't like my mind was erased but I had no short-term memory at all. So they think I'm having a stroke. They're all kind of panicked, you know. And so Tina's, they're driving, and I'm sitting in the front seat. And about every 30 seconds, I'd say, where are we going? And they'd say, we're going to the hospital. I said, why are we going to the hospital? We think maybe you've had a stroke. I would say every time, that's not good. Same joke every time. They'd say, do you remember the elders meeting last night? No. Every time I said, do I still have a job? Same joke every stinking time. And I want to tell you, by the time we got to the hospital, they didn't care if I was dead or alive. It, 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 it only took about 25 minutes for me to totally irritate the living daylights out of them. Totally unaware of what I'm doing, but now, you know, once my memory came back, I realized how mean they were to me, and it's, uh, (laughs) (laughs) they didn't drop me off at the hospital, they actually went in with me, and uh, so, can you imagine, these angels, day and night, eternally, time, time is passing, they're in present heaven, time is passing, Hours and hours, day and night, they never cease to say, holy is the Lord. And they're not going, holy, holy, holy. <laughs> Woo-hoo, holy is the Lord. Seen this before. You know why? Because this is what makes heaven glorious. Because the word holy means to be set apart. 
So in reality, God is the only holy person in the universe. He exists before the universe. He's totally unique. So God is holy. He's totally unique. There's none like him. There's no other gods like him. If there's another God, it's a God that he created. If there's an, if there's an angel, he created it. If there's heaven, he made it. If there's 10 universes, invisible universe, now as fit, no, we talk about faith. Those who believe in string theory say there may be an, in, uh, an infinite number of universes. They have nothing to base it on, but they, they can believe that. Or that there are right now professors from Yale, Harvard, MIT, they believe that there are 10 invisible universes, at least. At least 10. And they think we have faith. We just believe in one. One invisible universe. But think how incredible it is. So God has created this He's unique. There's none like him. He's holy. He's set apart. So what this means is what the angels are seeing is that they are seeing the unique character of God. Moses said, Lord, let me see your glory. And he said, okay, I'm just going to kind of hide you in this rock because I'm just going to let my goodness pass. You're going to just see a little bit of my goodness because if you saw me, it'd kill you. It'd consume you. So he just, lets, he just gets a little picture. So what's happening is that they're, they're seeing God and they're seeing the holiness of his character unfolding. In other words, they, they look and see something unique and set apart that they have never seen before. So really, so we say that the angels are around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy. Really what they're doing is they're going, wow. Wow. Now, so what are we going to do in heaven? A lot of wowing. A lot of wowing. You think about it. Have you ever looked at something on earth that looked really amazing, beautiful, or majestic, and how you respond to it? Do you know God made you that way? Do you think, you think people aren't interested in eternity and Go to a Star Trek convention or a Star Wars. They're looking for a new hope. The new hope is the old hope. It's Jesus. What are we going to spend eternity doing? We're going to spend eternity looking into. It's not going to be one long church service, folks. This is a picture of a worship service in heaven. And it's, it's not, you know, it's not forever. It's not going to be, you know, oh, preachers preach, you know, oh, it's going to be 47 preachers preaching today. Woo-hoo! It's like, man, maybe hell sounds better. I don't know. There's lots of, a lot of torture there. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be the, just the overwhelming presence of God and just seeing the things, who, who He is. And maybe we'll, maybe we'll get to have our own little journey into the universe. Maybe we'll get, you see, maybe we'll get to see some, the incredible 
expanse of space, which is the only hope of seeing it is in some divine way because, folks, time travel ain't happening. Warp. Anyway, because I'm kind of a techie. I could go into that. I like that. But anyway. Our redeemed family. So what's going to make heaven heaven? Okay, we're going we're to have our, our spiritual family tree. Guess what? Who else is going to be there? Your, your spiritual family. Your friends. So you're not going to be married in heaven, in the eternal heaven, but you're going to have the relationships you've had been better. What say? Our redeemed family and friends will be there. What if you could take the sin-warped part of your personality, that insecure part, and the self-protecting selfishness, that mean part, and the misunderstanding because we interpret through the lens of our experience out of our relationships. Wouldn't that make your relationships better? If you could take that sin messed up part of your personality, that insecure part that you kind of get, you're protective, and that self-protective selfishness that where, you, where you lash out because you feel like people weren't treating you right, that mean part, and the misunderstanding because you're interpreting. You ever say, somebody says, you told me, you said such, and you say, I, did, I didn't say that. Yeah, yeah, you said that, and you, you, you were trying to hurt my feelings. It's like, I, I didn't even know. What if you could take out all of that so that every relationship didn't have sin messing it up, the past messing it up, and you could just have, wouldn't, you know, because you know what makes stuff great relationships? You're going to be with God. You're going to be with Jesus. You're going to be with the other saints. You're going to be with your family. You're going to be with the friends. And that's just present heaven. But what's coming is eternal heaven, and that's going to be even better. And that's the exciting conclusion next week. Okay, let's stand. I've gone over time. But, you know, in sense of eternity, it hasn't been that long. <laughs> just, just a dot on the line, right? Father, we thank you because you have a plan, a good plan for us. You've planned for us to be with you in eternity, not to be cast out, not to be in hell. You've planned for us to be able to, through the death of your son, be made righteous, be made whole, and to spend eternity in your glorious presence. And it is going to be amazing to be with our friends and family, to be with you, to see the unfolding of your nature and your character, to live in an, in an everlasting wow. Lord, we just we look forward to all that you've planned for us. Eye has not seen, ears not heard, the things that God has in store for those that love him. And Lord, we love you. And we look forward to what you have in store for us. In Jesus' name, amen.